Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to South Bentley Online. We want you to come into the presence of the Lord and give Him praise. Raise your voices and come into a time of worship to honor Him. All right, church, sing with us. Our God and firm foundation, our rock, the only solid ground. Nations rise and fall. Kingdoms once strong now shaken. We trust forever in your name. The name of Jesus. We trust the name of Jesus. You are the only king forever. Almighty God, we live to You are victorious, you are the only king forever. 
Oh, oh. 
my strength is failing the end draws near and my time has come still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then Father, Lord, we come into your presence wanting to honor you and worship and praise your name for the great God that you are. Wherever we are gathered, Lord, dwell among us. Let your Holy Spirit move this morning, Lord. Speak to every heart. You've created each and every one of us and you know us intimately, Lord. I pray for every heart that's watching at whatever time they're watching, Lord. Praying that as we look into your word, it would convict hearts. It would comfort. It would remind them of the precious gift of your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. And that you would be exalted, Lord. And people would be drawn to you, Lord. If there's even one this morning who needs to know how much you love them, Lord, speak to that heart and let them know that you sacrificed the most precious gift of your son to bring that person back into relationship with you, Lord. We pray that hearts would be moved and knees would be bowed to the gift of your son, Lord. So we exalt you and we look forward to how you're gonna move and we give you praise and thank you for this time of worship. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you are here for the first time viewing us online, we wanna extend a special welcome to you and would invite you to check out our Connect page, svcclamore.org slash connect. And if you wouldn't mind just leaving us some information, we would love just to get in touch with you and be able to help you find the next step for you in terms of growing your relationship with Jesus Christ. And whether or not you are new, we let you guys know about the Church Center app 
and we want to make sure that you are getting connected to that app. So you definitely want to download the Church Center app. It's a tremendous opportunity for you to just easily take the next steps in terms of growing your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're able to sign up for events. You're able to pre-check in for children's ministry coming into our in-person services. You can request prayer. Giving has never been easier with this app for us. And so we are just wanting to encourage you to please download the app onto your device. It's such a wonderful way and a quick way for you to indeed take those next steps. And so we just want to invite you to do so. And speaking of inviting, we'd love to invite you, if you're interested, to our in-person worship services that we hold outdoor. We began that this last Sunday, 9 a.m., right outside the worship center, South Valley Community Church. It's about an hour service. And we also have children's ministry available in person for ages three through the sixth grade. There's a lot of information that we've shared about that. But if you go to our website, it has it all listed there for you in terms of the logistics with this service. So things that you need to know about parking, things that you need to know about checking in your kids or anything like that. So you definitely want to check that out, svcclamore.org. That way you'll be informed, you know what the health guidelines are, all that stuff. It's right there for you. We also opened Renewed Thrift Store this last week or a couple weeks ago now, and it's so awesome to see it up and running. It's a tremendous ministry designed to help people to get food on the table, you guys. So if you are interested in checking out the Renewed Thrift Store, it is right across the street from the church, right next to Best Buy. Operating hours are Tuesday through Friday from 10 to 3, and then we have 9 to 2 on Saturdays. Did I get those hours right? Guys, yes, I got them right. Okay, I just had to double check because the brother sometimes messes that up. So yes, 10 to 3, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Tuesday through Friday, and then Saturdays it's from 9 to 2. We are accepting donations, but we are doing that by appointment only and only on Saturday. So if you want to, you can contact Lerma. We'll put her email address here for you to be able to get into contact with her. Also, we are in the process of developing our regathering uh, logistics for Celebrate Recovery. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Celebrate Recovery, it is a just an amazing ministry just designed to help people who are in their hurts and habits and hangups. And they're just looking for a way to build community and to take those steps to step out of those hurts, habits, and hangups and into the purpose that the Lord has in store for them. It's a wonderful ministry for recovery. And it's anyone, you, me, anyone who's just wanting to take those steps. So be on the lookout. We're going to be getting some information out to you with regard to that as well. We're really excited that that's going to be starting up again. And then finally, Rooted is starting this week. We have a group that's actually starting tonight, Sunday night, the 13th. And for those of you who are starting, we're, we're praying for you. We're excited for you. Church family, we just invite you to be praying for our Rooted groups as they take this 10-week journey, growing in the relationship with God. It's going to be awesome. And it's going to be just wonderful to see what the Lord does. So that being said, y'all, we just wanted to thank you again for coming. For those of you who call South Valley Community Church your home, we want to also thank you for your continued giving and just would like to remind you that you can give online svcclamore.org and then just click on donate or you can also just do so through the app. If South Valley is not your church home, please don't feel compelled to give. This is just a practice and a discipline that we have as a church family and we do not expect, nor do we want anything from you. We truly just want something for you. So anyhow, y'all, thank you so much for joining us today. We love you and we pray that the remainder of the service will continue to be a blessing to you. Thank you. Bye. Well, good morning, church. Uh, 
It's been a hard week, hasn't it, with, you know, not only COVID that we've been battling, but now also uh, the fires and the smoke and all the air pollution that's happening around us. And obviously our hearts go out to those who have suffered loss in the fires that are not too far from us here in Lamore. And uh, in the coming weeks, we will bring guidance as to how as a church we might be able to help. Of course, you can be helping now just through the various local Red Crosses, but uh, we'll come back to you maybe with other details once we know better, a clearer picture of how best we could possibly help. We'll keep you informed about that. But uh, thank you, John, and the team for worship. And uh, obviously, you're listening to me online, and as you listen online, this Sunday morning, there was a, crowd, a group of people outside worshiping as well, and we still have our outdoor gatherings nine o'clock on a Sunday morning. So uh, however you're listening to this message, we trust that uh, your heart is prepared and uh, you're seeking to hear from God or to find God or to know Him in a new, different way. We're doing a series called, What's So Amazing About Grace? And this is preach number two. Uh, and it's called, Go on, eat the strawberry. And let me tell you a story. It's a story about a monk who's being pursued by a ferocious tiger. And the monk races to the edge of a cliff. And glancing back, he sees the growling tiger about to spring. And the monk spots a rope dangling over the edge of the cliff. And he grabs it and he begins shimmying down the side of the cliff out of the reach of the tiger. Whew! Narrow escape. And the monk, as he's hanging on the rope, then looks down and he sees a quarry of jagged rocks 500 feet below. He, he looks up and he sees the tiger paused atop the cliff with bared claws. And just then, two mice begin to nibble at the rope. Oh, what, what to do? And as he's pondering what to do, the monk saw a strawberry within arm's reach growing out the face of the cliff. He plucks it and he eats it and he exclaims, Yum! That's the best strawberry I've ever tasted in my entire life. Put this thought in your head this morning. If he had been preoccupied with the rocks below, the future, or the tiger above, the past, he would have missed the strawberry that God was giving him in the present. I want to talk today about the things that so often prevent us from being able to reach out and eat and enjoy the amazing strawberry that God has given us to eat. I want to talk about what could be called grace killers. Not only do we have a problem sometimes with this thing called grace, but even when we grasp how amazing grace is and learn to live eating the strawberry, 
There are many who come and try to take it away from us. People who criticize and condemn and crush the joy out of life. Self-righteous bullies and self-appointed judges. I don't know your story. I don't know your experience of Christians, of, of people who claim to follow Jesus Christ, but I would imagine that for many people listening today, you have encountered grace killers, legalists, Puritans, prophets of doom, moral crusaders, and instead of them wanting Christianity to help you become whole, for you to live knowing His forgiveness and His grace, instead they want you to feel even more wretched under the burden of Christianity. They are grim-faced, holier-than-thou, miserable people who rob and steal from other Christians the joy and the thrill and the release and the freedom of God's amazing grace. They see grace as too scandalous, too risky. Like, you can be accepted by God without cleaning up your act first. Like, like you can be loved and embraced by God even when you screw up. You can belong in a church looking the way you look with that habit. And for decades, so-called Christians have tried to tame grace, make it respectable, keep it from running wild. And all the time, God has given us this huge strawberry for us to eat and enjoy. All the time, there is an invitation by God to live in the present despite what your past looked like and despite what might come in the future. As I thought about this series, I thought about doing a good legalistic Christian bashing. Because those kind of Christians really annoy me. <laughs> and I think they should annoy Jesus. Uh, Philip Yancey, an interesting writer, quotes a young kid's prayer. Oh God, make the bad people good and the good people nice. Oh God, please. But... And in grace, there is a but. But as I read and as I studied and thought, something fresh came to my soul. There is a worse grace killer than the sad legalists or the self-righteous bullies, the Pharisees. And that's what I want to talk about. And that is what John Newton felt that propelled him to eventually pen that amazing hymn that we sing about grace, amazing grace. I want to talk about the biggest grace killer that you will face, your own shame. I want to examine this 
under the light of God's grace and help us see that Christianity, that Jesus Christ and His gospel truly is about becoming whole. And it's not about walking around carrying a burden or living under a heavy weight. I want to talk about enjoying the strawberry shame-free. So, let's read some scriptures this morning. And this morning, I have one main text to preach from. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Listen to these amazing words. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can you just sit there for a few moments and just breathe that verse of Holy Scripture in? Take a deep breath. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The old hermeneutical teachers, the old preachers, they used to say that whenever you see a therefore in the text, you should ask what it's there for. And this therefore is one of the biggest therefores in the entire Scriptures. For seven chapters, the Apostle Paul has been showing the huge problem of sin. And for the past seven chapters of the book of Romans, he's been showing us how wretched we truly are. Look how he ends chapter 7. In my sinful nature, I am a slave to the law of sin. Verse 15 of chapter 7, I don't understand me. What I want to do, I don't do. And what I hate to do, that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. And in fact, if you read chapter 7, you would think that when you get to chapter 8, verse 1, and come across these words, therefore, that the therefore might be, therefore, you are all guilty and damned and condemned. Paul has been telling us just how serious sin is, how serious our situation is before a holy and a righteous God. We're in deep trouble. God's law and my bondage to sin ends up with me only facing death and punishment. And you would expect, therefore, the therefore to then roll out a list of punishment coming our way. But instead, the therefore says, Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not about how hard you work to get out of trouble. It's not about how righteous you try to become. It's not about how much penance you do. It's not about how many good works you perform. It's about receiving the strawberry by faith. It's about something being given us through Jesus, not through ourselves, and us just taking it and eating it and enjoying it and living in it. So this therefore, just for a moment, just 
enjoy it. It's there. If you've come to faith in Christ, His grace is enough. If you've trusted Him, His grace covers your worst sins. If you have believed in Him, His grace brings no condemnation. Not even a little bit. No condemnation. You see, we pray prayers like this sometimes. Dear God, so far today I'm doing all right. I've not gossiped, I've not lost my temper, I've not been greedy or grumpy or nasty or selfish or self-indulgent, I've not whined or complained or cursed or sworn, I've not eaten chocolate or drunk beer, I've not charged anything to my credit card, but God, I will be getting out of bed in a minute, <laughs> and I think I will really need your help. Here's why we need grace. Here's why we need to know that God doesn't condemn us. Listen to what Donald McCulloch writes. You want to start your day with prayer. And just as you get concentrated on God to begin to pray, the neighbor's dog starts barking, which makes you recall it's barking at midnight, which makes you want to shoot it which makes you think that while you're at it, you'd like to smash the windows of the ugly car your neighbor always parks in front of your house, which makes you wonder how anyone so aesthetically challenged could have such a beautiful wife, which makes you wonder what she's doing at this very minute, which makes you wonder what would she be like if she were your wife? Oh, yeah, and then you say to yourself, I'm supposed to be praying. Oh, God. Oh, God. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Not even a bit. None. And here's the truth. What the Apostle Paul meant is that there's no condemnation from God. As for condemnation from other sources, i.e. your wife, <laughs> that's another matter. But even although we could be tempted to judge those pharisaical grace killers around us, here's the real deal. Here's the real truth. The biggest condemnation you face is actually from yourself. Let's talk about this for a little bit. Lewis Smeads was an extraordinary Christian professor of psychology. Uh, here's some of his insight. Think through if you sometimes feel as if you are a fake. Do you sometimes feel that if people who admire you really knew the real you, they might have contempt for you? Do you feel inadequate? Do you seldom feel as if you're up for what's expected of you? When you look inside yourself, do you seldom feel any joy at who you are? 
Do you feel inferior to the really good people that you know? Do you feel as though you can't measure up to what you ought to be? Do you feel as if God might even be disgusted with you? Do you feel as though you'll never be accepted? And if you answered yes to some of those questions, you're feeling shame, and it's killing you. And it's killing you from enjoying the grace of God. Shame is related to guilt, but shame is not guilt. We feel guilty for what we do. We feel shame for what we are. So, a person feels guilty because they lied to their mother. A person feels shame because they're not the person their mother wanted them to be. Shame is related to guilt, but they're different. Here's the truth. All of us have a Mongolian peasant in our lives. Let me explain. Smeads writes about this, and he says, it is rumored that a psychologist from behind the Iron Curtain back in the day, back in Russia, during the days of Stalin, had an uncanny way of getting innocent people to confess to just about any crime against the state. A visitor from the West asked the psychologist for the secret of his success, and he replied, I work on the Mongolian peasant hypothesis. And here's how that goes. A nobody of a man, shabby and ill at ease, is brought into a large office that clearly belongs to an important person. Everything around the office smacks of authority. Dark mahogany walls, a huge oak desk, a small flag on one corner of it, and behind there's a high leather chair, and there sits a gray-haired man wearing a general's uniform with a row of medals on his chest. And the general speaks. I have a million rubles in my desk drawer. Here, take a look. They are all yours. Mine, the man asks, on one condition, the general says. What condition, the man asks? You must press this small red button on my desk. What happens when I press the button, the man asks? The general replies, an old Mongolian drops dead. He dies? He dies at once, no pain. What for? What has he done? That is not your business, says the general. Trust me, it's for the good of the people. All you need to know is that the moment you press the button, the peasant dies and you get a million rubles. The man presses the button. 
he takes the money, and he goes home to live with the memory that to get some money, he's killed a stranger who did him no harm. The man knows in his heart that the amount of money makes no difference. He killed an innocent stranger to get it, and after five years, he takes his own life. And the million rubles are found stuffed in a sack under his bed. The state takes them back the day of his funeral. Everyone, according to the psychologist, has a Mongolian peasant in their life. Everyone has someone they have harmed for their own advantage. And the psychologist digs around in the memory until he finds it. And once found, the person is writhing in shame and he will confess to anything to atone for his shame. Of course, that might not be the source of your shame. It might be that you equate a wrong act with being a bad person. I did, therefore I am. Or it might be that you are an obsessive moralizer and everything you do has to be either right or it's wrong. Nothing can just be fun. You can never simply taste life. You must always measure it or weigh it or evaluate it. Maybe you're a compulsive comparer. Or maybe you're an approval addict. Or they're, they're, you're the never-deserving one. Scratch a little. Let God's Spirit scratch you a little. Where is your shame robbing you of taking hold of God's grace and enjoying the strawberry? Now, if we had time, we could share more of Schmid's findings. I recommend Lewis Schmid's and his writings for you. Three common sources of crippling shame. Number one, secular culture. It tells us that we must, we must look good to feel good and make good. Or graceless religion. We, we must follow the letter of the rules and failure will bring eternal rejection. Or number three, says Smeeds, unaccepting parents. Aren't you ashamed of yourself? And they convince us and we never meet their approval. Freud taught that guilt comes from internal criticism and shame results from external disapproval. Smeets says that guilt refers to what you do and shame to who you are. And the distinction is in some ways unnecessary. Many, many people, and you're listening to this talk and you are seriously unhappy with yourselves, maybe because of guilt and maybe because of shame. Both are grace killers. Here's what you need to hear. Listen in. Lean in. This is the basis of amazing grace. This is the good news. You are maybe a great sinner, but Christ is a greater Savior. There is now 
no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and everything within you is saying, no, that's too good to be true. That's unbelievable. Really, what's the catch? And the amazing truth of grace is there is no catch. Eat the strawberry. Just reach out and take it and eat it and enjoy it and live in it. So the Apostle Paul takes his pen and after that, therefore, he opens up one of the deepest, most profound chapters of the Scriptures. Let me share a little with you. Romans chapter 8 verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? This is the truth. There is a totally free God who's totally for you. Look what Paul goes on to write in verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And verse 38, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, neither any power, neither height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. People, get into Christ. Make your confession. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Make your confession. Get in Christ. And then there is no condemnation. Maybe this morning you need to make your confession. Maybe this morning you need to simply say, I am a great sinner. But Christ, you are a greater Savior. Save me. Maybe this morning you've never reached out for the grace because your shame has always told you you're not worthy of it. Here's the beginning of your shame going. God accepts you just as you are. This is why it's amazing grace. Say it with me as we end this part two message. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. And in prayer, we simply lift our, our hands to heaven and we bow our heads and we say, God, we know that we are great sinners and we confess our sin but you are a greater Savior. And we humbly in faith trust and believe and cling on to you 
And we will choose to leave here this morning knowing that there therefore is now no condemnation. Help us live that out for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. May God enable you this week to live the truth of Romans chapter 8. And I'll see you next week for part three.